You're listening to Wellbeing Connection, the CMHA Manitoba and Winnipeg podcast. I'm your host, James Wellsman. The Canadian Mental Health Association, Manitoba and Winnipeg, wishes to acknowledge that we are gathered in Treaty 1 territory at the crossroads of the Anishinaabe, Métis, Cree, Dakota, Ojibwe Nations, and on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe peoples and the homeland of the Métis Nation. None of the content in this podcast is intended to replace the advice given to you by your medical team. If you are in crisis, please phone the Manitoba Suicide Prevention and Support Line at 1-877-435-7170 or text CONNECT to 686868 for the Kids Help Phone. Well, we are excited to continue our conversation with Levi LaBelle, our manager for the Integrated Youth Hub uh, downtown Winnipeg. We are thrilled uh, to report that we have a construction date. We start right after the long weekend on August 3rd. Couldn't be more pleased with our friends at Westland Construction who are heading up our project. And also, we have uh, just one more week to give to ridedon'thide.com forward slash Manitoba as we are really looking to create more funds for programming, cultural programming. And so, Levi, maybe let's chat about that. Let's chat about, you know, what what is cultural programming look like uh, in the Integrated Youth Hub? Well, thank you for having me back. Um, you know, at the Youth Hub, we uh, we recognize that we are going to be meeting youth from many, many walks of life. And uh, in our neighborhood in particular, you know, there's just a, a, a tremendous wealth of diversity uh, of backgrounds and cultures who are going to be, um, you know, that we see on the streets, but also who are going to be visiting us in the Hub. And so we want to make sure that we are providing programming uh, that is reflective of the community itself. You know, people want to uh, receive services from people that they can trust. And sometimes, you know, that means, you know, having a face uh, that that reflects the cultural background that you come from. And, uh, you know, also, you know, as we think about, um, you know, truth and reconciliation, and what our part is in that, you know, we know that including and embedding, you know, cultural perspectives, particularly indigenous cultural perspectives, is so important. Um, and so, you know, we do have, uh, we have spaces and uh, we hope many, many program elements that are, that are going to celebrate uh, our indigenous uh, participants. Yeah, it really sounds like this inclusiveness is really at the core of the values of the Integrated Youth Hub. Absolutely, and you know, I, you know, I don't know if uh, if you had this experience yourself, but you know, sometimes uh, you know when you attend an event or or you go someplace, sometimes the diversity can feel like it's an add-on. You know, it's something that uh, came as an afterthought, and you know, with with the development of the youth hub, it has been intentional uh, 100% of the way. So we are constantly thinking about how to include uh, diverse voices 
in everything from paint colors to carpeting swatches uh, to programs. So it is a very intentional and embedded um, underpinning of all of the programming that we are doing. Yeah, I, I just love hearing about the intentionality of programming. And we, we've talked about the core uh, partners of this integrated youth hub. And now I think it's a, a really great opportunity, Levi, if you can really share about the kind of the environmental scan of the community and some of those other stakeholders that are just really thrilled to be a part of the integrated youth hub. Yeah, absolutely. So um, in the lead up to uh, us opening the doors, I've been, uh, you know, really reaching out to so many organizations in the community. As we know, you know, particularly in the West Broadway community, there are many, many organizations as well as in the downtown area and beyond. So I have been very slowly, but uh, purposely reaching out to organizations who work with youth in particular and have youth programming and seeing how we can partner and what what new things can we bring together um, to centralize for youth to partake in. So one of uh, one partner I would say is the NEEDS Center. Um, NEEDS stands for Newcomers Employment and Education Development Services and they're uh, located downtown. Uh, we are partnering to bring together a few pieces of programming. One will be uh, looking at the effects of COVID and how uh, how racism has impacted COVID. So we will have a number of uh, participants who are going to be developing a toolkit around that, um, as sort of an exploratory educational piece. We are I've been talking to the Rainbow Resource Center and like that to bring 2S LGBTQ programming to the site. Um, so we will have both of them uh, providing different kinds of programming. One will be more of a drop-in and the other piece, one will be more of an education piece. Uh, we are, uh, we've been talking to uh, the Spend Street Neighborhood Association. Um, they uh, are very excited that uh, we're going to be able to partner around some mental health uh, work that we're hoping to do. Uh, we've been talking to CERC, so the Sexuality Education Resource Center, uh, to provide some uh, safer sex health education, reproductive health education, um, but also things around internet safety and uh, healthy parenting. So I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of things that we're going to be bringing, and I'm I'm just this is the tip of the iceberg. There are so many others. Um, that we are still working on and are coming in the in the next few months. Um, so I I know we are going to have uh, it's going to be a hive of activity, and I'm very excited about it. It's going to be this hub of, of of excitement of the participants, of the facilitators, of the the peer uh, supporters, the Discovery College courses that are going to be happening. Uh, all these partners all these stakeholders coming together under one roof, one place to do these programming uh, pieces. And, and it really sounds exciting in terms of this co-design, you know, this co-production uh, posture that we take here at the CMHA. And maybe just help our listeners understand what, what it means by, what we mean by co-production and co-design. Uh, okay, so, 
Um, we really want to wanted to build from the Discovery College model out into the rest of our programming um, because you know we know this model works really well for courses. Uh, we thought it could also work really well for how we program. So we have, you know, as I mentioned, I think the last time we met, we are uh, engaging youth in advisory committees, and and those youth are really going to be instrumental uh, to how we roll out programming and who we choose to have in the space and and what that's going to look like. You know, um, youth are the experts in their own lives. They know what it is that they need. You know, I could I could you know, probably write a program, you know, in 20 minutes and, you know, hire people and have them come and deliver it. But it won't be the program that they're... The it's going to disconnect, needs. isn't it? You know, it's going to be exactly. a big, big failure. Absolutely. Absolutely. The youth are going to be like, what is this? Right? Yeah. And it's like not that. that intentional process that you're talking about. It's it's really listening and hearing. Mm -hmm. And I, and I've been a part of these co-design uh, opportunities where you know that the scribe is writing word for word so they're not kind of you know reframing it or rephrasing it it's really talking about like what do you want to see in the course what's important what are the resources that you think might really be helpful for those uh, that are taking this course within this topic or theme and and it's really brilliant you know where they decide is this a one hour course is this a, a one of two hour course is this is this going to happen for three sessions. It's really exciting to see how that course can evolve over time too. And I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Levi, people who are participating at some time will be able to maybe be trained to help co-facilitate. Yeah, that is really the goal. So, you know, you know, one of the one of the fantastic parts about this is how participatory this process really is. And that because we're all equals, we're all learners as well, right? So no one, no one is the only expert. We're all experts and we're all learners. And so part of this process is about learning the skills uh, evolved to create a course, so curriculum development. And on the flip side is also facilitation, right? Which we know can translate into so many other areas in life. So, um, so yeah, the participants uh, will have the opportunity to perhaps facilitate the training that they have they have themselves created and what ends up happening from this is like a, is a tremendous sense of empowerment and ownership over the materials that you've created so we want that that experience to translate not just to the coursework but also to the program itself right so when people uh participants come to the hub and they look at the wall colors and they go you know what uh, they can look at their friend and say, I chose that wall color over there. Absolutely. And this is why, yeah. right? And, you know, or they can be like, you know, you know the reason why they do this kind of program there? It's because I showed up and I said so, right? And people can take real ownership uh, uh, of this space and make it really a part of their community. You know? Yeah, and, and this is what makes the Integrated Youth Hub so special, right? It's not just a youth hub, it's the integration of other people in our community coming together as well as the participants again as you share uh, the experts in their own in their own lives and experiences really being able to uh, transform this integrated youth hub to a space that really works for everyone we often say at the cmha there's something for everyone and it really sounds like the integrated youth hub is another space where those that come 
uh, are going to be welcomed. Uh, we have a whole bunch of people from the surrounding community that have really just championed and are cheering this on. Uh, we know that we have a construction date. It's going to take some time for that construction to happen. We're looking later in the fall uh, for those doors to open in the West Broadway neighborhood. And again, for our audience, we're, we're really excited that, you know, Ride Don't Hide for the last nine weeks with these podcasts ha have been really highlighting the importance of youth mental health and the work that continues to go on. And and as I think of, you know, people who have done this, we're next week, uh, James is back. Super excited to have him back with Brandon to give us an update on Ride Don't Hide uh, as we wind down uh, the month of July, but also somebody who did something absolutely extraordinary uh, in their own neighborhood where they were, you know, moving more, giving more and feeling better. And so we're really excited to, to have that person uh, on. And uh, again, James will be uh, hosting that with Brandon and uh, I hope you all will tune in. Uh, if you've really enjoyed uh, these podcasts, we'd love for you to share that with your friends, your family, your networks, uh, like us, you know, all those wonderful things, uh, tweet it out. Uh, we, can, we can reach greater audiences with your support. The other piece I wanna leave with people is that uh, as we move into the new school year, I know that the month of August, we're really going to be focusing on how do we prepare ourselves for that in-classroom learning? Uh, how do we prepare ourselves to maybe even see people we haven't seen in school for so long because we've been away from school, whether it's uh, post-secondary or high school, uh, middle school, whatever that is. Uh, we want to be providing some tools uh, some resources, and I, and I know James and I are just thrilled to bring you uh, a whole heap of community people talking about what they do every day for people to connect their well-being and to, to be better uh, people at the, the goals that they have in their life to flourish and to, uh, to change uh, this world. So again, Levi, we are thrilled that you've joined us. Uh, you will not uh, you know, be silent around these, uh, these walls. We, we know that you are busy, 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 making things happen, giving tours, and now with construction happening. Uh, you know, Levi, the last word, you know, what, what are you most excited about in these next two to three months? Oh my goodness, can I say everything? I am so excited. I say that a, a hundred times a day, and every time I say it, I need it a little more. Um, you know, I am so excited to see all of the ways that our that our community is coming together around this project. And it, so it's not just it's not just the youth, it's not just the service providers, but real community members who are are starting to hear about what's going on and want to get involved. So I am so thrilled to see that uh, this all coming together. And I hope that we are going to be rolling out a program the minute we open those doors. So, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and I think you and your team are just poised to, to really be uh, a really huge pillar uh, along with so many other pillars in this West Broadway com uh, community. And so, uh, Levi, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, again, friends, we've been talking with Levi 
LaBelle, the manager of the Integrated Youth Hub. Uh, that's downtown Winnipeg. We are just thrilled to have Levi a part of our team. And uh, we'll hope to, to hear more about the Youth Hub as the months go on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Why is technology so important in a Youth Hub? Well, I don't know about you, Stephen, but I don't know, like, when was the last time you went a day without having to access a computer or cell phone? Um, in this digital age, it requires access to the internet and some sort of way to interact with it, whether, you know, that's a phone or, or, or a tablet or a, a laptop. Many of the folks that we are, uh, we know are in our direct community um, really are challenged um, by, you know, having access to computers and having access to the internet. You know, in my work with youth, you know, uh, I would say 95 to 99% of all the youth that I work with, um, you know, have cell phones that, you know, they may have purchased secondhand. They have no cell phone plans. You know, they, they can't afford data. And so they are really reliant on Wi-Fi whenever they can get to a place. But we know that cell, cell phones aren't going to help someone to do their homework. They're not going to write your resume and send that to an employer, right? That, that having that cell phone actually becomes a barrier in itself, right? So having access to laptops and computers um, and and the kinds of software that folks are going to need, I think, is is just fundamental in how how we help youth to overcome some of the barriers that they have in accessing the services that they need. Yeah, no, it, you bring up such a great point in terms of the affordability and the the equitability of access, right? And so we've learned through COVID, through the online learning that students have had to have. Uh, during COVID, during the pandemic, where you might have four or five other siblings in your small space where you live or large space, but you can't do all your schooling at one time on one tablet. It's just not going to happen. It's just not not even possible. You know, I've I've met youth who, you know, are literally, you know, talking by by text you know, to classmates uh, who can access, you know, the online classrooms because they can't access with a webcam or they can't access um, in a visual way because they don't have data, but they can text, uh, you know, through, um, you know, text me now or WhatsApp. And so they'll be texting to find out what, what is going on and getting a play-by-play. -play. And where are they doing that texting? Oh, well, they're doing it down, you know, sitting on, on the sidewalk outside of 7-Eleven where they can get free Wi-Fi, right? So like there are multiple barriers that many of the people that we are going to, the youth that we are going to be working with face when it comes to technology. Um, I would love to say that, you know, that's sort of an isolated case, but it really isn't. Um, and, you know, just having, having enough access is, um, yeah, it's a luxury I think some of us can, you know, take for granted, but um, it is certainly uh, a barrier that we're hoping that having access to computers uh, can help to overcome. Yeah, and, and we're incredibly grateful to like the core uh, philanthropists who've, who've come 
to really back this incredible movement that is happening across Canada from coast to coast to coast. Youth hubs are becoming a necessity. And just in the, the final moments that we have, you know, I know that people are, are thinking like, how has the pandemic impacted youth and their mental health or wellness? Uh, how has that impacted the the culture that they were in before pandemic? Uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah, well, you know, we've certainly seen, you know, as as most of us have experienced, there's been very there's been highs and lows even within, you know, within the pandemic itself and our experiences of isolation and togetherness. Um, you know, I I think back to when this first began and a lot of youth. Um, you know, had to go home. They couldn't. They couldn't leave their homes. They couldn't. You know. Um, you know, access their friend and peer groups. They. They in many cases didn't have any access to their school resources if they were still in school, um, just because the teachers were at home and the teachers didn't have access too. Right. So many of them became very isolated then, um, and some for some that isolation has only deepened as time has gone on. And I think, you know, some uh, like school involved youth were able to were able to go back to the classroom and sort of meet with meet with some of their peers, but those who aren't in school or those uh, particularly older youth who uh, even though they're in school were were deemed, you know, able to do it at home. So weren't weren't invited back into the classroom. Like they've had two years almost of 100% isolation from their friends and only being able to, you know, access them through social media when they can. Um, so I think there are going to be some, um, there are going to be some deep traumas that we are, we are going to um, be seeing over the next little while. And youth who are trying to navigate, you know, coming back into, um, you know, having, having that social experience and how do I be around people? How do I be around my friends? Can I hug the friends that I used to hug before? You know, um, is it safe for me to do that? Is it safe for me to uh, be around the adults that I used to trust to be around? You know, um, there's going to be a lot of those questions. And I think, um, you know, youth are going to have a lot of high needs around, around um, just some of the effects uh, that COVID has, has brought. Yeah, and navigating all these sorts of different transitions at different times and really pivoting over and over. And, you know, our our heroic teachers and educators who have done their their best possible job at educating, I think for 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 most youth, it really was so difficult to to learn. It's just not how we've been created to learn that without that socialization, without that emotional uh, social learning uh, that's so so key. I really want to commend teachers too. Um, you know, in many cases, teachers had to develop three, four, and five different sets of curricula for every class. So it's imagine having to write lessons for five years every year. You know. Uh, for each class, and if you're teaching multiple classes, that that becomes sub substantial. You know, I know teachers who uh, have been working, you know, 18, 19, 20 hours in a day, you know, just to keep up and, and to help, you know, our youth continue to learn. 
But I also really want to commend our youth for all of the all of the tremendous resilience that they've had uh, throughout the pandemic and and continue to show, uh, you know, um, you know, they are really an inspiration, I think, um, to many of us because, you know, their resilience and their ability to, um, you know, connect with one another and keep going um, really has this uh, sort of ripple effect uh, that benefits all of us, right? We can all see how well they're doing and, and their wellness sort of rubs off, I think. So, um, you know, I don't want it to sound all doom and gloom. I think uh, our youth right. are tremendous and have been uh, doing such amazing things uh, throughout the pandemic. I, I've heard so many amazing stories of of just hope and uh, resilience and ingenuity and innovation. And uh, connection. Like, you. And connection, yeah. Absolutely. People have been able to connect in such a more uh, dy dynamic way with even their families of, of spending that time. Those co-curriculars, you know, after school or in the evening have, were suspended, but it allowed for an opportunity for greater discussion, greater dialogue, greater like playing games or doing things together, you know. Now, I imagine many of us who are, who are listening to this, you know, sure that was good, you know, the first six months, but you know, the other 13, that was that was quite difficult. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, but what what's exciting, Levi, is the conversation with you is just not going to end today. Uh, next, next, uh, next week, we're going to continue our conversation with Levi uh, about those partnerships. And we really want to talk more about these incredible partnerships and the stakeholders who are really vital to the success of an integrated youth hub. And I think what's really great in that we were able to, to lead this initiative in West Broadway is that we're ready to deliver our services yesterday. You know, the, the work that happens in, in youth mental health at the CMHA is substantial and so many great things, but we do it with partners already, right? So this is not a big leap for us. This is just what we do. And for people who may not always do that to kind of catch this vision, uh, I'm really excited to, to learn a little bit more about these partnerships for our audience to, to learn uh, these partnerships, but also a way to get involved. And I know that in the description, you'll be able to kind of link to some of the resources that are out there to learn about the integrated youth hubs in Manitoba, where they're all located geographically throughout the province, but also how they can get involved in the, the councils that you you've talked about that are so key to the success. And so uh, the final word is yours, Levi. How do people get in contact with you? What's the best way? Well, you know, I'm always available uh, by email or by phone. Um, you can connect with me at lavelle at cmajwinnipegwpg.mv.ca. Uh, but if you go to our website, you'll also find a link for our advisory committee uh, application. Um, and that's really, it, it will give you a, a brief synopsis of what the advisory committees will do. Um, and just helps us to get to know a little bit about you uh, and starts the conversation for 
how you might get involved further and and uh, what you would like to see happen at one of our youth hubs.